0: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedakin. We'd like to start off by thanking um, our new Patreon supporters. Yay. We're very grateful for them. Um, I want to say hey to Harold. Hey, Harold. Hey. <laughs> um, also like to give a huge shout out to Heather, who upped her uh, monthly donation. She did. <laughs> That's so hot. Yeah, it was super hot. Um, then we have Mark and uh, Heather Rose. And then we have Erin, Aaron, Aaron, sorry, I'm not saying last names, right? Uh, and Heather also sent us a nice message. She did. Uh, yeah, I, she's uh, great. So you guys can send us messages and we pretty much, one of us will always respond. Sometimes both of us respond yeah. because we're really coordinated with <laughs> right. things like that. Right. But yeah, we would love hearing from you. We do.
1: There was actually an email that moved me to tears. Aww. Yes, I was PMSing, but I was, yes. I, was mo- I was moved to tears. I did start crying um, when I got an email from our friend. Uh will this weekend, so thank you very much uh, for that really sweet note you sent us um, it's really cool to hear from you guys, and uh, we will keep churning out the disgusting, vulgar, hopefully hilarious content
0: on the bonus episodes on the bonus yeah episodes. so on patreon yeah. if you if you give five dollars a month, you get access to a weekly bonus episode, so you get like two for the price of one for a week. <laughs> So or something cool. like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, let's get into
1: this week's crime. This week's crime, we are talking about the Sunset Strip Killers. I, this is, for such a crazy story, this is actually, I feel like, one of the lesser known crimes. Right. It's not. Well, one thing
0: we might want to say to people, like, we're mostly focused on Hollywood. Right. Sort of. Celebrity stuff, but we also want to f- focus in on some crimes that actually took place in the city. Yes, just because we feel like it's all sort of connected in like a city dream-seeking right way. But and yeah, so this is one of those
1: right. This is this is actually a legitimate Hollywood crime. It took place in Hollywood proper and uh-huh. surround and like the surrounding actually Hollywood, areas. not like
0: Beverly Hills Housewives, where they're all over the valley.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, like there there are streets that have been mentioned. Um, in the material I was researching, then I'm like, oh, that's like down the block for me. Right. Because we record the show in Hollywood yeah. uh, at my house. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so the Sunset Strip killers, um, let's just get right into it. Uh, this was a, a couple that was committing these crimes. This was a pair. This was a man and a woman. And we're going to start with Doug Clark. Douglas Daniel Clark was born March tenth, 1948, in Pennsylvania. His father, Franklin, was a naval intelligence officer. So Doug and his four siblings, they moved around a lot. And they didn't just move around a lot around the country. They were all over the world. They were global. They were living in the Marshall Islands at one point. They lived in San Francisco. They even lived in India for a while. And because of Franklin Clark's status in the Navy... Doug and his family they got to live this really incredibly privileged life it was like they even had butlers like literally yeah at some of the places they were living in that's like my dream (laughs) they got they were jet setters they had butlers really wow And I just think it's interesting because you don't usually hear a lot about these in these serial killer backstories about this lavish lifestyle. It's always like
0: head trauma, (laughs) (laughs) abusive,
1: decapitating your dog, and living in a trailer park. Right. Something equally. And I know a lot of backstories of serial killers. That's kind of our thing. But these people had a very privileged life. And Doug was super into that. He used that to his advantage to try and make friends and to try and uh, seduce women when he was a young, young man. And he would brag all the time to his classmates. Uh, he ended up going to a very prestigious high school where a lot of sons of kings and other people in high-ranking um, areas of the military went uh-huh. to in Geneva. And although Doug didn't do well in school or with making friends, according to him he did very well with the ladies. And he would brag all the time to his classmates about his sex sex capades and they thought it was weird. <laughs> who would brag to who? Doug would brag to his classmates all the time. Um,
0: and how old is he during that?
1: He's like 16, 15, 16. Uh-huh. So he'd be like boning these ladies and he thought he, I mean he was how like Why was he boning people at 16. <laughs> I don't know, but he would brag all the time to them and they, and they, they totally thought he was a weird kid. Like, even though he was fucking all these chicks, allegedly, right? they were like, okay, calm down. Like, yeah. shut up. We don't care. It's not like he had a Twitter account where he talked about it. Stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doug was also a troublemaker in school. He did not like authority and he got in trouble for things like drunkenness. And one time he even got in trouble for writing an erotic letter to one of his teachers Wow. Which is like the original sext. Yeah. It's, yeah. And so I love reading erotic letters. (laughs) They don't make them like that anymore. Uh, you could get a really long text sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Right, you could get a really long text. But he, these are the types of things that he got in trouble for. And he was eventually expelled and then he was sent to a school, a military school in Indiana. Here he got involved with sports and even took up playing the sax. And he was in a band- playing the sax, which is interesting. He continued to be a problem student, though, even though he'd gotten involved in these other extracurricular activities. And he, as still, was displaying this very antisocial behavior. And his parents didn't really give a shit. I I, I guess I imagined, like, his parents being... Hardcore military, strict discipline. Yes, that, and also, since I guess they were well-to-do... I imagine his parents also the cliche like, "Oh, our boy's fine." Like they're off, they they were off in different parts of the world. Right. His parents and they he had was their sort of lives. yeah, he was sort of left to his own devices. I feel like at school, so the teachers and his school counselors would call the parents up like, "Yo, your son's hella weird," and they'd be like, "He's fine." Right, They didn't see the signs. They didn't see like... He was antisocial. Right? That he was antisocial. Wait, was he <laughs> an only child? an only child? He had four other siblings. Oh, okay. He was like in the middle. He was the third child. Ugh, middle child. Yeah, what are you going to do? Doug, one of the things he liked to do was record the sounds of him fucking Ugh. when he was a teenager. <laughs> and this must have been some pretty primitive recording right. device. I don't know what they used. They didn't have like like a tape deck a tape well, I don't know what you he used you like put a, a cassette tape in and no, press but record this is like in the 60s
0: they didn't have those
1: i don't know what they had Did someone write us in <laughs> <laughs> he would he would put this under the bed and record the sounds of the girl moaning and then he would take the tape to school or whatever it was and play it for his classmates
0: and i'm just amazed that this guy really is fucking all these kids <laughs> age kids. Kids. <laughs> kids. are kids kids they're kids
1: they're kids but they're girls um so and they thought and his students i mean his classmates they thought he was gross and they thought it was weird which they absolutely had every right to think that's
0: like one of those things where at first you're like oh my god and then you're like wait a second this is really creepy <laughs>
1: right. right and the, <laughs> the women the girls he was fucking they didn't know they were being recorded not, right can you imagine, especially being in That's high like school? It's very Bob Crane of him. It's very Bob Crane. There there are some interesting um, same, similar themes in his story and his fetishes that, that are very similar to that. When he was 17, he met 14-year-old Bobby, and they fell in love. So
0: Bobby's a woman. Bobby's a girl. woman,
1: yeah. And he would take pictures of him and Bobby fucking. And I guess Bobby was into it. Right. Because you, you have to set up a camera. Right. I a picture he has like that squeezy ball thing. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: the powder comes yeah. out.
1: <laughs> That's like really I'm very, old school. We're very
0: uh, tech savvy right? on this
1: show. <laughs> um, and he would take pictures of them fucking. And he would also pass those around to his classmates. God. What a fucking loser. In 1967, he enlisted in the Air Force. And he wound up stationed in Anchorage, Alaska. Although he still didn't like being told what to do, he did like the nightlife and the girls in Alaska. So he would often go to the bars instead of doing what he needed to be doing. And he would like to get drunk and hang out with the chicks and pick up chicks. Yeah, I guess. But isn't
0: that the place where it's all Alaska men? <laughs> like, remember the calendar they used to do? Or like, there's like so few women there that everyone's like, oh, you
1: can move up to Alaska and get a man. Right, and like, we'll pay you <laughs> yeah. to live here. I don't know, but he liked the chicks in Alaska. He kept their pussies warm, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> their beavers. He kept their... It was a little their, muff. Their Alaskan beavers, <laughs> warm and cozy. So he, uh, when he was honorably discharged from the Air Force, he drove from Alaska down to California with $5,000. And he wound up moving in with his sister, Carol Ann, in Van Nuys. Carol, I am. Throwback. Um, when he was 27, he met Beverly, who was age 24, at a nightclub in the Valley, and the two of them got married.
0: Beverly was... Wait, is there, like, a sadder phrase than nightclub in the Valley? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, there is not. Um, so Beverly was less attractive than Doug, which... So, so many accounts, like i feel like every account i've read about doug they paint him as this like handsome guy but i'm sorry i've looked at several pictures of i him, know i saw a few too and he's fucking haunting looking and not in a hauntingly beautiful way he's not cute to me he's, at he's all.
0: very basic to me like i would never think oh there's a woman less attractive than him
1: like he's yeah. not
0: like he's not like
1: ugly but he's not ted bundy He's not Ted Bundy hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying out of all the despicable no, serial no, no, no. killers. Right. And I don't even think Ted Bundy was hot, but I guess he was hot for a serial killer. Like right. Ted Bundy was a ladies he man had also. symmetrical features and like... Right. Yeah. He was whatever. So Beverly was less attractive. She was slightly overweight and she felt that she was dumpy looking. She was very insecure. And she really liked... That Doug was ambitious and handsome, and they ended up buying a car upholstery business together. And Doug was a pretty shitty businessman. He was not good at his job. Beverly recounts that Doug liked to wear her underwear and that he would often try to get her to have three ways and swing with other couples. Mm. Mm. In the valley. In the valley. <laughs> Other hot couples Wait, in the valley. what year is this? This is 1967. This okay. is the late 60s. Is so happening. swinging is just getting it's into getting, swing. It's getting into swing. <laughs> Doug was also an alcoholic. He was still drinking a lot. He spent a lot of time in the bars. And Beverly started to feel pretty neglected by Doug. And she thought that he was pulling away from her because she had gained a lot of weight during their marriage. She tried to get him to go to AA and Doug actually did go and get sober for two years, but then he went back to drinking in 1976 after being married for four years, they got a divorce. So Doug at this time, Doug was bouncing around from woman to woman, specifically overweight, lonely woman that he could get shit from like money and free rent. Right. And he liked to take advantage of these women because he thought that they were so desperate for love that they would sort of give him a free ride. Right. So he was like, um, he also had a nickname for himself, which I think is so tacky. You can't make up your own nickname. I feel like, and he would call himself the king of uh, one night stands. Ugh. I know. Isn't that <laughs> gross? <laughs> so, well, I mean, he could hardly prove <laughs> that. <laughs> Well, and also, I'm like, where's the... I mean, I guess he was fucking a lot in between and probably cheating on his wife before. But he was a smooth-talking ladies' man. And he was basically like the quintessential, in my opinion, the more I was reading about him. He was really like a pickup artist type, which I feel like, if you don't know what a pickup artist is, it's like a men's rights activist type who thinks that women owe them sex, essentially, and that there's a set of rules and it's like a code and like a guide to basically fuck any woman you want right because i they think they're
0: experts in psychology yeah and that they can like if it's an attractive woman they'll neg them and that gets a woman yeah oh, there's all these like, they don't think i'm tactics. beautiful yeah so with a un- more traditionally unattractive woman i'm sure the technique is much different right they probably build them up a bit right because they're desperate for some kind of Affection or... uh, And that was really
1: his move. He would build up these women who he felt were unattractive or these women who were insecure and lonely and, and wanted to have some kind of companionship. And then he would take advantage of them and emotionally be abusive to them and these women of course would get caught in the cycle. So he was like the ultimate fake male feminist. I feel like. (laughs) That should have been his nickname. He should have the original fake male feminist. I mean, we don't know. He might have been doing this longer than Ted Bundy. Because Ted Bundy I used to call the original fake male feminist. But this guy was was doing it too back in LA. So I even read an account of one of his moves to pick up on chicks would be that he would recite Shakespeare <laughs> oh my god, like quotes from Shakespeare or speak in French to seem super like intelligent and kind of sexy and exotic. And I just feel right. like that's so fucking gross. Like if a guy, if a sleazy guy was trying to pick up on me and they started reciting Shakespeare, even though I actually totally love Shakespeare, if like a guy was using that to hit on me, my pussy would crawl up into my body. It's kind of like that story
0: I saw recently about the guy playing piano to get uh, his girlfriend back. It's uh, like, just don't. like Right.
1: It's just stop it. She doesn't want you. She doesn't want to fuck you I don't anymore. like any
0: of that kind of like smooth, here's some classical music no. or Shakespeare. It's just like, uh, come on. Just be yourself. Yeah. Just be yourself. It's just so obvious that you're trying to impress. Yeah. And it's there's just nothing worse than that.
1: Well, it can come off very manipulative too. Right. And try hard. And that's it, what he was doing. He was manipulating. Yes. There's a reason that it feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> in 1979, Doug Clark met 37-year-old Carol Bundy at the Little Nashville Country Club. Where Where's she, that? That's in the Valley. <laughs> I guess it used to be in the Valley. I mean, maybe it's still there. The I don't know. Nashville, I mean, that doesn't sound very upscale to me. <laughs> well, that's where Carol Bundy was that night because she was there to see a guy who did Tom Jones covers sing. Wow. Um, Honestly, I want to go now. (laughs) I wish it still existed. I I didn't look it up, but I'll look it up after the show to see if it still exists. Okay, we're going to do a flashback now. Carol Bundy. Carol Bundy was born Carol Peters on July... Oh, excuse me. On August 26th, 1942, to Charles and Gladys Peters. Gladys, her mom, was... um, Super rude to Carol, like emotionally and physically abusive. Carol has a very sad story. Carol does. When I think about the typical serial killer origin story, right? Carol really has that down. She hits the nail. She hits the nail on a lot of different sort of points here. So Gladys, the mom, was physically and emotionally abusive to her. She would call her fat and beat her and her sister. In 1957, though, Gladys Peters died of a heart attack, and Carol's dad, Charles, told her that her and her sister were going to have to replace their mom. sexually. <laughs> oh I thought he might go find a new wife. <laughs>
0: Okay. Desi's like, oh, Aw. no, sweet dad. It was sexually. So they had to fill in. They had to fill in your for mom the mom's role. Okay, right.
1: Wait, so, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was molesting both of the kids, is what I'm trying to. But say. But he
0: actually said that to them. Yes. Like it's your yes. duty now. It's your duty. You have to f- fulfill your your mom's wifely duties. Exactly. That's so gross. It's so mean. Their mom's It's almost died. like there's something worse about saying this is your job now than to just molest them. <laughs> know that's a very subtle distinction you would know i would know so i'm telling you from my own perspective it does seem like more like traumatizing
1: sorry i also think could he have waited a little bit to to let them grieve like a grieving period
0: i don't know i mean clearly these are not good
1: people it's so horrible it's just anyways yeah so uh carol dad, Charles, was... Yeah, he was having sexual relationships with both of his uh, two daughters. How old were they? Carol Bundy was 13 and the sister was 11.
0: Oh my god.
1: So, yeah. They're young. They're young kids. And her dad did eventually get remarried and when he got remarried, the molesting stopped. But... It really was just... (laughs) I mean, it's so disturbing to me. I'm not a pedophile. I'm just practical here. Right. I I just need someone to fuck. Also, (sighs) you know, he... um, uh, Okay, I'm not going to go into that. (laughs) Let's not get at replies this week. Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter. See why Upstart is top ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. (laughs) So he got remarried and one day he sent Carol to the store and when she came back, he had tried to kill himself but failed. He did end up blowing his thumb off and he did end up shooting the cat and killing the cat. What? Like, (laughs) wait, he shot the cat on purpose. And the reason he shot the cat is because he was planning on going on a killing spree on killing his wife and himself. Oh, so he chickened out after he killed the cat and then just killed himself. No, he, he was going to kill himself also, but he misfired and shot off his thumb instead. But his plan was,
0: I'm going to shoot the cat. cat.
1: I'm going to shoot my wife. So, But he skipped the wife so i don't know that's that's a part of the story i didn't that's like a gap yeah sorry Um, guys so he accidentally shot off his thumb he accidentally shot off his thumb and when carol came back to the store and she saw this blood everywhere and her cat dead she was like what the fuck and the girls were sent to foster care and his new wife was like your dad needs to figure some shit out clearly which i don't know why she wouldn't just divorce him at that point like bitch you shot our cat and you were gonna shoot me
0: if someone killed my cat, I would kill them.
1: Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> I mean... It would
1: be over for well, you. Well, I mean,
0: obviously, she, this is not someone who was like, oh, this is a good man. Right.
1: <laughs> like she had to know. I'm marrying the he molester. To, yeah. Eventually, Charles Peters uh, did kill himself. He hanged himself. So, good riddance to a horrible man. When Carol was 17, she married a 56-year-old man. So, clearly, she has some emotional issues largely caused by her upbringing already she was and she ended up getting married three times wow in a very pretty short span of time and these were not good relationships no by any stretch of the imagination she and she's at,
0: also, I mean, I hate to bring this up,
1: but she's not an extremely attractive She's not. Woman. And this matters because <sighs> it ties into her relationship later on right. with Doug Clark and his proclivity for these roping in women. these women yeah. who are less conventionally attractive or overweight mm-hmm. and sort of taking advantage of them. Um, but let's just call a spade a spade. Carol Bundy is no fucking victim here. Right. I mean, she was a victim when she was a child, but she's not a good person. Right. Let's just get that out of the way. She was a monster as Mm -hmm. well. So, Carol ended up marrying a man named Grant Bundy in the late 60s. That's where she got her last name from. That's the serial killer Pedigree name. She really (laughs) did. I mean, like, what? I mean, you got Ted Bundy, you got this bitch, you got the irritating Bundys up in Oregon, the ones. Oh, right. Those guys. Yeah. Oh, the whole... Remember, like, the people were... In sent, Oregon,
0: and then there was one, I think, in Nevada, like, the dad. Cl- I can't remember it was what it Cliven, was. Cliven. Cliven Bundy. Yeah, I was almost like, got coo- that Cooter guy. Bundy. <laughs> it, it's the same thing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, Carol and Grant had two sons. Carol also... Not only was she overweight <laughs> and unattractive, she also had bad eyesight and wore really thick glasses. Like, the kind of glasses that are, like, Coke bottle right like the classic like really nerd, unfortunate four eyes total four eyes your eyes literally look double in size almost cause right they're so thick they and they did and there's pictures of her i've seen where it's like whoa those are some thick ass glasses she was being abused she'd been abused by pretty much all of her husbands and she did spend some time living in a battered woman's shelter But eventually, Carol separated from Grant Bundy, and her and her two sons moved into a new place, and this is where she met and fell in love with Jack Murray, her apartment manager. Jack Murray was a country singer, and he was Australian, kind of like Keith Urban, but this guy's a monster, so (laughs) not like Keith Urban. Well, we assume. We assume. i just saw him on the emmys tonight he he looked like he really loved his wife so Mm -hmm. i'm just saying i'm just but he's also an australian country singer right so it's a rare combo yeah i just it's a rare combo um so the two started hooking up the only problem was that jack was married so already he's a piece of shit and he really strung carol along he knew that Carol was wrapped around his finger because he was this kind of hunky Rico Suave guy he was also very much a ladies man he was a country crooner he was kind of I mean like he was like attractive I guess he's not my type but like I saw pictures of him Like he he, and I'm sorry Carol just thought he was like the fucking hottest guy on earth and she can't believe and you know this guy's paying all this attention to her and oh my god she's probably thinking like He's gonna leave his wife for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really he really strung her along. Like, yeah, I'll leave. Why? Like
0: I mean, was just, well, just for the sex,
1: was she really good at it? <laughs> like i She gave saying. a mean blowjob. But like, what was his Here's the motive. Carol, when she got divorced from Grant, she got half of the house. So she got half <clears throat> of what this house was worth, and it was a lot of money. So Carol had money in the bank. Yeah. And Jack Murray wanted some of that money, and he was able to siphon money from her and get money. Oh, baby, I just I need twenty thousand dollars for this. Really, she had that kind of money. Yes, she did. And he got quite a few tens of thousands of dollars from her. And Carol was just like convinced that eventually that he's going to leave his wife and be with me. And this is like an investment I'm making to spend all this money Mm -hmm. on him, and he'll come. He'll be with me. Um, and he would make her feel beautiful and lift her up as right. well, even though he was being a total piece of shit to her, like another total fake male feminist. This is a the theme here in the story. So he also told Carol that his wife had been diagnosed with cancer and that, and Carol was probably stoked cause she's like, oh, well, you know, we can be together then cause she's going to die. And I mean, it's sad, but. right i mean that's too bad right but at least we can be together so jack really uh kept pushing this that yeah when she dies we'll be together just hang on tight she's almost dead jesus jack's wife didn't even have cancer though what (laughs) what a shock (laughs) and around this time um Carol had entered into a sexual relationship with an 11 year old girl that was also living in the apartment complex. Uh, <laughs> record scratch. What the hell? She, I, I feel like the term "entered
0: into a sexual" right relationship. coerced a sexual relationship.
1: The hell she was she was oh. um, molesting yeah she was molesting a, an 11 year old girl and under and she would probably thought it was very consensual carol probably did right because the girl wasn't kicking and screaming
0: so the girl i recognize that this is rape no matter what but right. was the girl like doing it yes or was, the girl so, was so, yeah the
1: girl was uh according to carol was participating you know, participating in this and wanted to she obviously was <clears throat> not able to consent because she was a child. Right. We're not, but I was just curious.
0: Right. Like what? And if it was, it was an ongoing thing. It wasn't like a one time.
1: No, it happened. It happened. It was happening. It uh-huh. was ongoing. Jack allegedly was also involved in this. Ah, oh, uh, yeah. So they were having three ways together oh. with this 11 year old. Was
0: Jack, do you think really behind the whole thing? Like, do you think he encouraged her or did they didn't, they didn't go into that aspect? Um, I think Carol actually maybe she did it did to entice him like sh- oh I can get this girl for us.
1: It's interesting because a part of me wonders there there's like lots of different theories I think and there's lots of different reports but like I think it was a mix of both. I think Carol had these dark, deep, really fucked up fantasies and sexual fetishes that are very much illegal and very much twisted and depraved that she wanted to explore, but also that she had a, a dark yearning to impress a man right. at all costs. Right.
0: Well, a lot of times this stuff I don't think is thought out in a big way, but it's subconsciously what you're trying to do is right. to like, get someone to like you. Right. And she, and would she doesn't really... have a great personality and she's not like a great looker. Right. So she's like, I can get this kind of stuff. Like, exactly. Yeah, and I'll do anything. Like- so
1: I do think a lot of it, whether or not she was conscious about it, was her subconsciously looking for love that she had never gotten as a child, as a teenager, and as an adult. And she's, But she's also just a sick, fucked up person, too. I yeah, mean, it's it, can a be a, it can be a combination of a lot of things. And, and Jack Murray also was really into S&M, so he could act out his sexual fetishes with carol and carol would do whatever i mean she did whatever he wanted and right that's another reason why he kept her around and strung her along was like not only her money but that she would fulfill his darkest sexual desires with her that's my mo but i'm not a sicko (laughs) (laughs) carol was so desperate to get jack back she actually offered his wife fifteen hundred dollars to leave his husband to leave her husband which i feel like is a really low low ball really low ball like even in the 70s that's really low balling
0: i'm just trying to think like how much it would take me (laughs) i mean who knows it seems like no one even fucking cared about anyone back in this period (laughs) right (laughs) maybe maybe it would have worked fifteen hundred dollars well if she's like
1: i'm leaving him anyway like sure let me get some money out of this the wife jack's wife was like fuck you like of course okay. and she was like hell no and she was pissed and uh the can you imagine seeing carol <laughs> i'm sorry excuse me but knowing that your husband was cheating on you with carol bundy and she offers you a measly price of fifteen hundred dollars it's like baffling to me i can't even imagine how angry i would be <laughs> oh my god i mean we're gonna post pictures like we've posted a lot of really glamorous like kind of cool hip looking pictures on our Instagram before. And I just want to warn all of our listeners that none of the pictures we're gonna post the following week are gonna be cute. They're they're pretty gruesome. They're gross. Um I mean I don't know if we're gonna post super gruesome pictures, but we will post pictures of uh these depraved, disgusting people involved in the story. None of the players in the story are attractive or glamorous. They're all awful, awful people and they're all awfully ugly people in my opinion. Right. Um, so I'm pro look shaming serial killers. <laughs> I am too. I'll look shame. I'll fat shame a serial killer, and I'm very anti fat shaming. But I mean, I don't know. I've been like trying not to fat shame. It's interesting because I, I I was reading. A, I got. A, I bought a book about this because there's so much information right about these two fucking sickos. So I bought a book this week and I was reading it about them. And I don't know when the book was written. It's like an e-book I bought. I, I need to check that. But I just skipped right to the... There's like It's like a serial killer book. And there's this whole chapter on these two fuckos. And the language in it is like really not PC at all. Even though it's like a, a book written by some scholar, I guess. Or some crime expert. Right. It must have been written a long time ago. Right. Because there'd be a little bit more pc if it was recent yeah i mean the book repeatedly refers to people as like fat dumpy <laughs> ugly <laughs> like she was a fat woman and well fat i think is okay yeah it's okay but it's just it's but with in a very dumpy it seems a little more it's just in a very coarse way they used to describe all the right. players in this story yeah. and there's just this huge fat theme throughout the story well that doesn't seem very scholarly no right I don't know who wrote this book. I got it, and it had a lot of information, and it was recommended. So that's why I got this book. Um, But I also... um, I'm sorry. I was reading it, and uh, there were these quotes in it from... There were these quotes in it from uh, Doug Clark, and... (laughs) Doug Clark had a fucking potty mouth on him, too. I mean, like, we're going to go more into this next week. This is going to be a two-parter. I don't know if we mentioned that up top. No. But I really just wanted to give you guys, like, a little bit of backstory and um, how these two ended up meeting first. That's what we're going to talk about first is their backstory and how they ended up meeting. Um, Let me just back up here where I left off is that... um, So, Carol and Jack, you know, Jack was like, look, my wife what are you gonna do she's being a total bitch we gotta break it off so they finally broke it off but that didn't stop carol from going to the little nashville country club to meet up with jack slash she wasn't actually meeting up with him she was just stalking him there was that where he performed this is where jack murray performed his tom jones songs for some reason, tom jones isn't even a country singer but i guess he was singing tom jones that night right whatever um you gotta get some gigs to pay the bills (laughs) (laughs) so this is the little nashville country club in the valley i think it was in north hollywood this is where she was going to creep on jack like what's he doing oh i love him so much just like staring at him she's his number one fan oh and i forgot to mention at one point that jack had convinced uh carol to get like laser eye surgery or surgery on her eyes to fix really? them because of her Coke bottle glasses. I mean, that would have been a very new surgery. I guess it wasn't LASIK eye surgery, but okay, she, d- so it was some version. It of, was some version. version of LASIK. Yeah. Something that was happening in the
0: seventies. And I love the nerve of him. Like he's not going to leave his wife. He's telling her to do, and he didn't even pay for the surgery either. But not only that, that really honestly wouldn't do much to improve her looks like, <laughs>
1: It wasn't no. like the glasses were the problem. Like she, it, the glasses were not the problem with her look. She was not an attractive. She woman. just didn't have a style about her either. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like there's, the, the, she was just. I think the evil, evilness also just seeped from her every being. Right. Like she looked miserable. She didn't look like a fun person. No, to be every around. picture I've seen of her looks like she's in misery. Like right. There's no joy. Right. Coming from this woman's face, there's nothing like she doesn't have a good soul or a good heart. You don't no, look you at her. And go, I want to hang out with Carol Bundy. Right. So uh, but he did convince her like, oh, you'd be so much, you know, Oh, you, you should get your eyes fixed. And um, which is like really irritating because like sh- he didn't even pay for it. Like I said before, this was on <laughs> her own dime. So but, you know, he's like the master manipulator. So he's like, yeah, baby, like do it. And, and she'll do anything to keep him. And because it worked, because the surgery worked and she didn't have to wear these thick Coke bottle glasses anymore, she took that as like, he really loves me. Right. That's good that it worked. Well, it's good that it worked for her, but it's also like for him, it was probably more cosmetic. Right. He just wanted her to not have these hideous glasses anymore, probably. So Carol's at the country club. And even though she had gone there to creep on Jack, she spies Doug Clark from across the room. And she was all, oh, shit.
0: Dreamweaver started playing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Literally, Dreamweaver started playing. And she was like in a trance like, that guy's hot. I want him now. And suddenly her love for Jack had faded away because she was on to the next. Wow. And that's how they met. And that's the story. That's their backstory. And next week, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the two of them teaming up, committing all sorts of fucking mayhem all over the streets of Hollywood and Los Angeles. But yeah, a couple of two, two little lovebirds, two lovebirds. <laughs> I mean, really, they are—they they really are the perfect match because here we have Doug, who is this also this ladies' man like Jack right. is. Well, it seems like they both are each other's type. Like to a T,
0: right? They she really sort of, are. She's like this unattractive, easily manipulated person, and that's his thing. That's his thing, and right. she and he is her thing. Like this good-looking kind of ladies' man, right? Type. I mean, I don't know what her first husband was. He probably was a loser, but no, the Jack and him sort of fit that bill, right? <clears throat> but even Carol also she like that dominant guy.
1: Yeah, and even Carol described her own self as not being attractive in the book that I was reading, there was a quote from her and she had said she looked very much like her dad who looked like a roly poly. Right. And she's like, that's what I take after him. You know, like she knew she wasn't this hot lady or anything, but she would, um, but yeah, but she would get these guys, but they were really just using her and she would go to any lengths to please them. So it really was this perfect meeting, the two of them, right, in this country club.
0: This Nashville country club. This little Nashville country I, club. I looked it up while you were talking before, and I think it might still exist, <gasps> which is
1: sort of horrifying. Maybe when we do our first meetup, we'll meet there at the <laughs> show.
0: That sounds scary.
1: Doesn't that sound creepy? Yeah. And then going all the way to the valley. There's just no way that place is nice.
0: No, I know. I mean... But I mean, that's fine. I like dive
1: bars. I do too. I really wonder what it's like there. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. I'm excited to hear about.
1: Yeah. I there. mean, I'm sorry that it's not, uh, it's kind of a, a little shorter episode today, but this is going to be a two parter. So we're going to have part two for you up next week. Um, like I said, we're going to talk about the murder and the mayhem and all the fucking crazy shit. That's going to be a longer episode probably, um, and I just want to thank our Patreon contributors again. And do you have anything else you'd like to say?
0: Um, no,
1: that's it. Okay. Thank you. Bye. I have a secret. I wore the wrong foundation for years. Then I discovered Il Maquillage, the boldest new brand in beauty. With 20,000 five-star reviews and 50 shades of flawless coverage, their Woke Up Like This foundation is a bestseller for a reason. It's tough buying foundation online, but their Power Match quiz matched me perfectly. And with Try Before You Buy, you can try your shade free for 14 days. Take the quiz at illmaquillage.com slash quiz. That's I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz.